Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. It's your girl, Dalis Jasmine, and welcome to Hello Latino. The last episode of 2020, y'all. I'm a little shook. I'm a little emotional. But who better to welcome the new year than with la gran Rocio Rivera, una mujer poderosa con sangre sinaloense, Latina Bay Area photographer, and officially the best photographer in the Solano County of 2020. O sea, what's up? But let me tell y'all, nadie, no one is going to keep it more real than Rocio. In this episode, she talks about her parents who worked and still work in the fields in the Bay and how she grew up as the big sister, la mama, all while navigating life outside of home and discovering her passion for photography. Rocio Mamita, shout out to you for creating powerful, beautiful, one-of-a-kind photography that features people of all backgrounds. Y a todos ustedes escuchando, que disfruten esta conversación y que tengan su cafecito listos porque el chisme está buenecito. I hate this. <laughs> I'm, no, but let me tell you, I am so excited to talk to you because I I heard of you through one of my best friends, one of my best friends, Mariah. She was like, oh my God, she was showing me a picture that you took. It was like these, I think it was you and your friends or a, a couple of girls. And she's like, we should do this with like all, the, like all our girls. And like, we were trying to plan a photo shoot, but it didn't happen. <laughs> But we, I, I've been following you since because she showed me that picture and I love your photography, girl. It's so, it's so beautiful. And it's so, it's so you, like I've never seen photography like it. And I think that's when you know you have something special. You have a gift, you have like, you know, just what my family says, undon. you know, you have a little gift from God. And like, that's what I feel like you have, because one of the things that I do in my job and my role is. We always say if you were to take off the logo, if you were to take off like a logo of anything, a company, a brand, like would you still be able to say what what that person is, what that brand is? Mm -hmm. And I feel like you, if I were to just see your picture just like on its own, I'd be like, oh, that's Rocio right there. Like I can tell. So gassing you up, girl. (laughs) Thank you. I need it this morning because I don't have my coffee yet. Oh, girl. We all need the cafecito. (laughs) But let's jump in and let's start with the first question because I'm curious. I know people want to know. Um, how do you identify and why? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> I want to say that. Oh, of course. And shout out to and shout out to um, Arabella yeah. for connecting us. Yes, for sure. She's so dope. Per her last email. <laughs> per her last email. <laughs> um. So I identify as Latina, for and foremost, Mexicana to the max. Um, my parents are Sinaloenses, and I was born here. I was born in Napa in the Bay Area, um, and I was raised in Vallejo. 
So I've just been from the Bay ever since then, but I love, love, love Mexico. So, I mean, the goal is to get there soon. So, yeah. Oh, you're trying to move over there? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I do see that you go there often, right? Yeah, I tend to. Oh, that's beautiful. Did you did you grow up going there often? Yeah. And now I'm the one that goes more often than they do. So Your family doesn't go back? They do, but if they go like in December. You know, I tend to go like April, May, June, whenever I can to go see the grandparents. For sure, I'll take like just a flight down there a couple of days and then I leave. Oh, got you, got you. Um, okay, well, let's j- jump into your story. Let's let's learn about first what I always like doing is kind of learning about the immigration story, like mm-hmm. like how you got to where you are now. So was it your parents who who came over? So talk about like your your family's immigration story and then we'll kind of segue into your story. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, my parents came here first. My dad came here first and then my mom. Um, I believe my mom was pregnant with me when she came out here. So I was in her belly when she um and then they so my parents they're farm workers till this day and no se porque my mom has her she had her she has her citizenship and she's still there she just loves that job um so yeah but they came out here and then I was born right away uh, my parents lived in Napa for like three years and then they finally moved to Vallejo and then they've been in Vallejo ever since then like ever since then and now I live in Vallejo because obviously I moved out, moved out somewhere else and then came back to Vallejo as well. So where did you move out to? I went to Napa because when you're young mm. and the bars are there, you know, and at the time <laughs> I wanted to live there. But girl, rent is so expensive out there. I came back. <laughs> I have only been in Napa a few times and it's so expensive every time I go. So expensive. It's like hella money. <laughs> I have some friends that live out there and I'm like, yeah, tripping, like come out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk about that though. Like how was it? You didn't really grow up in Napa. Mm-mm. Did you grow up mostly in Vallejo, right? Yeah. So talk about that. Like how was your upbringing there? Because I know the Bay Area, Bay Area kids have a whole different lifestyle, a whole different life. So talk about just growing up because I feel like our environments really like play a role in who we are right? And how we see the world and how we navigate the world and how we show up, you know? So how was it growing up in the Bay, growing up in Vallejo? So my parents, like I said before, they're farm workers, so they were never home. So I'm the oldest of three. So I had to be the mom, you know, I had to be the mom, the caretaker, pick them up, take them to school and stuff like that. So my childhood, I didn't have, I mean, I guess I had a childhood when I was hanging out with them. But like giving them was like, oh, you watch these movies, you watch these cartoons, you hung out with other people. Like I did it, you know, like I was the oldest. So my childhood was like fast, like, let's go, let's be the translator, let's kick it, you know. Um, but growing up, I didn't know English. Like, let's talk about kindergarten, right? Like, I didn't know English. So I remember being like first grade, sitting in like the circle and I was just like, what the fuck are they saying? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember to this, like, um, uh, my friend Patrick, he's Asian, he's Filipino. Um, and I would just sit next to him and I would just stare at him because I was like, well, he's brown, like, I'm brown, you know, like, mm-hmm. crazy. Um, eventually, I did learn, obviously. And then I got, there was a time period as I got older that, um, 
like let's say middle school, high school, like I would speak only English and then my dad would be mad and he'd be like, aquí solo se habla español en la casa, you know, things like that. And then I've- Oh, that's dope that your parents did that though. I know some parents just be like, it's fine. Like we're going to try to assimilate as much as possible. But my parents are the same way. They still to this day only speak Spanish in the house. Good, yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, same with mine. Till this day, they're like, ¿Qué dijiste? Habla muy bien. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, wait. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so there was a time period where, like, I didn't really speak much um, Spanish. And I would hang out with, like, you know, like, everyone. And then up in high school, I hung out with all the Latinos. You know, you got to hang out with all the thugs, you know, like, all the, <laughs> all the homegirls. Um, and then my Spanish came back. And I remember my dad was, like, super juiced. Um He'd be like, wow, like you're speaking más español and things like that. Um, but yeah, overall, my upbringing was just like, I was the mom. You know, I was like always the one taking care of everything, like telling my dad like, hey, you know, we got to go pay this, helping him be in charge yeah. or stuff like that. I was always like the oldest for sure. Um, but I liked it because I was also like a rebel. So like if they had me stuff, I would be like, no. I was like, I cleaned your house. I cleaned your kids, you know. But at those models, my parents were very traditional. So regardless, even if I would lash out, they would like, you know, either be like, oh, you're taking your phone away or no te voy a dar las llaves del carro or something like that. But I would still leave. Like, I would be like, you can't hold me down. Like, sorry. <laughs> and there's st- yeah. there's family stories of like my mom telling the whole world. She'd be like, ay, Rocio se fue through the window. Like, I ran away through the window or something like that. <laughs> And I was like, but I didn't run away. I just want to go hang out with my friends. <laughs> oh, my God. Parents, like, I feel like Latino parents, they're so good at over-exaggerating. So good. Yes, you saw yo too. Like, I find myself doing that. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they taught me. <laughs> no. Well, my mom is like, she loves telling everyone in the town. So, like, now, I think like, growing up, Maybe that's why I never told most of my parents a lot of my stuff because I didn't want them to go tell everyone else, you know? Yeah. And everyone knows the achievement and it's probably wrong and <laughs> all the things. But, you know, can you talk a little bit more about being the oldest? Because let me tell you, like, I'm the youngest, so I don't know what that feels like. But I always have conversations with my older sister and she's always because she was the mom. Like for me, that was like my second mom, you know? And she always talks about how she didn't really have a childhood, but as you know, she loves it too, because that's how she is. Like she is like a badass bitch because of it. I mean, I say that I like it because honestly, nowadays, nowadays people like, like, like you said, they don't know how to make decisions. They're like scared. They're always yeah. like, oh, okay. You know, like, how do I do this? Like, I mean, I talked to my sister, she's 18 now and I tend to like think like, damn, like, what's wrong with you? Like, at the way that, <laughs> like, girl, like, I don't know. It's like now, now seeing how I was raised, like, and being the oldest, you know, I feel like that did a huge big part into who I am now, and it helped me. Like, it just helped me be so mature, and I think that also helped me in the long run with my business that I have now. You know, so like. It just helped me a lot. Like, okay, like I got to do this. I got to multitask. I got to be there. I got to do this. I mean, growing up, I was the oldest, but I also was in like activities at school. Like I was in soccer. I was in theater. I was in photography. You know, like I had a job. So 
Like I was able to do so much and still go like, I'm mm-hmm. my brother. I got to go to the middle school to pick up someone else, you know, like, and that went ching. Girl, you're a whole, you're a whole ass mom. <laughs> mom. And I ain't got no kids. <laughs> <laughs> a whole ass mom. Whole That's ass- crazy. But your parents were like gone, right? Always working. Yeah, they were always working. But it was like a traditional thing. Like it was like they leave. I take care of the siblings. Um, sometimes I would cook. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> and then. Uh, Quemando agua. <laughs> and then like they would come home and like, you know, kick feet and then just sleep. That was like their life. Like that was their thing. And like they had to work as well. So we really didn't have time to like hang out or mingle. Let me tell you, I will never forget this. I was dating a dude at the time in high school. The way they see that I didn't know what a dollar menu was because we never went out. Like my parents, we never went out to like restaurants. We never went out. Like we just didn't. Like I talked to other people and they're like, yeah, we went to Chevy's. We went to like, I don't know, Olive Garden and stuff. And I would be like, damn, I mean, nunca me sacaron. Like we didn't even go to McDonald's, you know? <laughs> and I was dating somebody in high school. And I remember thinking like, oh, you know, well, I would take like $5, right? And he was like, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to get this and this and this and this for under $4. And I was like, how are you going to get so much food? And I was mind blown because I was like, damn, I've lived like 18 years of my life without knowing that there was a dollar menu at restaurants. And I was <laughs> like, yo, we could get some like hamburguesas for cheap. And I will never forget that because I was so like mind blown. And that would made me like think like, damn, like my parents, we don't go out. Like we don't, we don't even know about the dollar menu at that, at that time, you know? So that will always stick to me because I was like, whoa, like, that's possible? Like, you can get a hamburger for a dollar nine? Like, how? You know? Um, but yeah, like, we never went out. We were always at home, which is why I think for me growing up, I was like, no, like, I need to get out. You know, like, I want to go. I want to go explore. And then photography came in. So I was always, like, out. I was always out. <clears throat> but even regardless of being the oldest, like, at one point, I got tired of being the oldest. I got tired of them depending so much on me. So then I was like, I need to. Mm-hmm. And I think it was good for everyone. It was good for like them to understand, like, I need to leave. You can't just be, you know, like be so codependent on me. Um, mm-hmm. Do it on your own. And then I think it also pushed like my old, my brother, he's the middle child, to like, come on, help mom and dad, you know. Which is what yeah. it was. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's a big change because, you know, in Mexico, the Latino culture, los hijos, and he's the only son, he don't do shit. He's just at home because mommy's always, oh, yo solo hago mijo, you know? And no, like, till this day, I'm like, we're not. Those, those double standards in Latino families are real. Like, are- so freaking real. I remember my brothers would be out to, like, 2 a.m. como They came in the house like nothing. But if my sisters, if I were to do, like, my, my cutoff was 9. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 9 p.m. And I would be like, oh my god I'm going to the beach like I'm going to a bonfire and they're like no nine and they would find me they would hunt me down <laughs> like where is she at <laughs> it was real it was real <laughs> um no yeah for me I I had to leave I was like I can't like I need my own life you know um but yeah I feel like- how, how old were you when you left I was turning 21 because I remember I wanted um I had a birthday party and I remember I was like <laughs> so I was like, I'm gonna go celebrate or I was 20 but I know I was turning 21 something like that 
Pero potential um, prior to me leaving, I had already like, you know, like left a couple of nights. I was like, no way to call me prima and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I had already done it before I made the big, the big move. And how was that big move for your family? Were they like, what the fuck she doing? Or like, no, because I'm thinking like traditional parents, like sometimes they can be like, intense <laughs> my dad was like si vas a andar con él, te me vas. and I was like okay bye <laughs> um and it was just one of those like oh like well before you know how I had said I had already left the reason why I had previously left was because I felt like they didn't they weren't ta- they were taking me for granted like I was like I do so much mm-hmm. for you I know that I don't help with bills I think I was only helping with like gas or like you know like I was if, if anything, I was like, y'all should be paying me. Like, I'm your babysitter. I'm your maid. I'm everything for you. I go pay your bills. Like, you know, and I would get upset when, like, someone else would watch them. And then my mom would give them, like, 40 bucks. And I'm like, they only watch them for, like, two days and you don't pay me. You know, so then I was getting upset. I remember my dad didn't want me to have a job when I was, like, 16 or something. And I finally did. So then um, I was still helping them. Like, this is, like, 16, 15. This is right after making quinceañera. And I started driving, I had my permit, and I was going everywhere and I was doing everything for them so that, you know how the whole like Latino thing, like, oh, you clean the house, you can go out. Okay, mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, cool. Like, obviously, like if I do all this, you know, eventually in the future, they're gonna be like, great, my daughter helps them with all this stuff. By the time I was like 18, 19, still no change. You know, they were just like, you're staying home. Like, I don't have money for this. No, we don't, can't do that. And then I was like, what? Like, I do a lot of stuff for this house and I do a lot of stuff for you. And then I started speaking up a lot more because I was really quiet growing up. Like, I was really quiet, very observant, and I wouldn't say much, like, at all. And then as I got older and my parents, like, my mom used to always be like, you know, respect those who respect you. And I'd be like, you don't fucking respect me. Like, how are you going to say that? And so then my mom would budge a lot. We would budge heads because she would like tell me one thing or say something and she would mean the other. And I'm all about loyalty. I'm all about like, be real, be honest. Don't give me no like half ass, you know? And so then we would always bump heads. And obviously, you know, daddies, daddies, girls, they're always just like, just stay quiet, you know, dejala, talk to you. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how it was for me. And, uh, and when I, when I finally like moved out, I remember my dad saying, you know, come home, like, you know, we miss you or whatever. And I would be like, no, like you kicked me out. Like, first of all, you kicked me out over a dude and I'm not even with the dude. Like, that's how dumb you are that you just assume. Cause my parents would always assume, they would just assume the worst about me. Like I would come home at nine and my mom, this is, this is facts. Cause I have friends that would be with me and she would be like, a ver, déjame oler. And she would like smell my breath and like look at my face. Like, I was like, I'm not, I haven't even started smoking yet. You would swear. <laughs> and like, oh my God. Even if I were to explain to them, like, oh, I just went to go take photos or I was just with so and so taking photos or something, like they didn't, they didn't want to understand that. They were like, no, you weren't, you know? Um, mm. And then, you know, Latino parents, like anything that they see in the news, they think their child's doing it too. So, I don't know what it was. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what it was the news that my parents were like freaked out. I mean, I don't really watch the news in general when I was growing up. So I don't know what it was. I remember my mom clearly like always like just harassing me, like saying like, 
you're going to go do this, huh? And then it was so funny because my dad would assume and then they would give me all the ideas. Like, like that's why I love know because my dad was like, Te vas por la ventana, eh? and I'm like, oh, no, but that's a good idea. <laughs> You're like, thanks, dad. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so would my mom. Like, they would just assume all these horrible things about me, which then, like, I mean, obviously, family members, they would always be like, you know, Rocio, because if my mom would tell somebody, like, oh, my God, you know, she came home at nine or something, or she left the house. Mm. You know, families there'll be like, she's gonna be a runaway. She's gonna get married. She's gonna have kids. You know that that stereotype. Yeah. Um, and I was like, like, yeah, tripping. Like, I don't even do drugs. Like, <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? No, it's it's real sad that like our community has so many stereotypes like that, though, especially for women. Like, oh, te vas a te vas a ir a embarazar, you know, they're going to go like, hacer tus cosas. And like, you know, there's, there's so much more that women can do, but that's, that's the first thing in their head. And they say that they verbalize that. And it's like, it's like what you say, you're giving them ideas, like, <laughs> and does that lad, you know, from the opposite perspective, like there's options out there where you can do blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're right. Sometimes they do assume the absolute worst and you're like, chill. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I was at that point, I was very like, like I was done. Like I was like, nah, like I'm not letting you talk like this about me or like, you know, I can't stand it anymore. Um, so then I just did, I left. And ever since then, I, like I said, I feel like it's been good for everyone. Like it's been good for them. Like I was just mm -hmm. hanging out with my mom yesterday and, you know, she was like, oh, you know, we, we've, we've been doing so well. And I'm like, you know, like quiet in my heart. And I'm like, oh my God, yay. You guys are like doing good. Like you can buy yourself a vacuum, you know, like without having to worry or anything like that. So um, yeah, I feel, it feels good. It was what, 11 years later, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just the rewards come right when it comes and then you feel that and your parents feel that and everyone else feels that, yeah. but I'm curious, like what, why did you leave? And like, what were you doing? So you left because of the guy, right? Or they kicked you out. Mm -hmm. So how does this lead into photography? I'm very curious, like when it started for you, like how did you start, you know, doing more of it? When did you turn it into a business? Like all of those things. And were your parents like fans of it? Were they like, girl, go get a job? Or like, did they see, you know, like I'm just thinking Latino parents, like sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> no, yeah, I get it. Um, so for me, photography started in sophomore year or junior year of high school. Um, I remember like in an elective or something like that. First of all, my high school time, like Vallejo High School, ha going to a school in Vallejo, no tiene nada. Like our community, like no tenemos mucho. We don't have a ton, you know. So um, when when I was in school, like I remember that we needed an elective and all the electives sucked because I was like, what the heck? Like, I don't like any of this. And at the time I was into music, I actually wanted to like pursue music, right? Um, so I was like, either I do choir or I do something else, um, instruments, but I already knew how to play instruments because growing up, even though I was the oldest, um, backtracking to my, to my younger days that I forgot to add, yeah. my dad always, um, he had me doing something no matter what, even if I didn't want to do it, I was always doing something. And now that I'm older, um, I appreciate that. And I say that to like most of my friends who have kids. But I'm like, make sure your kid's always active and doing something, you know, like all the time, no matter what, because when they're older, they're appreciated. And like, 
growing up, my dad loved music as well. So I played hella instruments. Like if I didn't want to play it or wasn't interested, I still had to. It was like the Selena movie where like the kids didn't want to play and the dad was like, I went, well, yeah, that was my dad. Yeah. And I remember I <laughs> and I would like have my fingers all hurting from the guitar, you know, or something. He'd be like, you're going to keep playing. You're going to keep playing. Um, and so then my dad always had me in something like if I wasn't in music, I was in singing lessons. If I wasn't in singing lessons, I was in theater class. If I wasn't in theater class, I was in soccer. So I was always mm-hmm. in something, right? So when I was in high school, I had my say to be like, no quiero ser eso, I do want to do that. So um, mm-hmm. I picked, I was going to do music, but in my head I was like, well, if I do music at school, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to do music class with my dad after school, and I don't want to do that. So I picked, um, I mean, I was into art regardless. So I was like, let me just do photo, because it was the first period, and in my head I was like, yo, if I run late, the lady will never know because I'll just be like I was taking photos, right? <laughs> um, it was like skip class. You're hella smart. You're hella smart. <laughs> you had a whole plan. <laughs> I had a whole plan. I was like, cool. See you go tarde. And if I get my coffee, I'm not going to get in trouble. So, and it was the opposite. Um, at the time, I remember it was like the whole thing was like ditching class, you know, hanging out with the friends or whatever. Um, for me, it was the opposite. I think it was like one the first week, the week that they gave us the camera. Like instead of being late to school, to class to first period, I was fucking early because I wanted to get the camera. I wanted to go into the dark room. So it was like the total opposite for me. And I feel like that's when we realized, like, okay, I do like photography because I'm here at like eight a.m. You know? Yeah. Um. So that's how it started. Started in then and started just for fun. Like I remember it was just for fun. I liked doing it finished high school, went to college. I put my major as photography in college. Um, it was a music more. So I knew that that was what I wanted to do. But I think it was just because it came easy to me. Like I was like, oh, yeah, I could do photography. Yeah. Like, it's easy. It wasn't hard. It was just something that I liked. And it was easy for me to do or to see what I wanted to capture. Um, and then when I was with my parents, um, and my dad was like, they kept thinking that, I was out doing bad stuff when in reality I was just shooting. Like I was just shooting all the time. Like I would leave, I would go to work and then I would go shoot. And it's funny because I would always shoot at night and then now that I'm old, I'm like, I don't like shooting at night. Like people who shoot at night are crazy or, you know, like it's just so much time now that I'm older. And when I was younger, it was like, bam, bam, bam. It was just street photography. You know, I was like, it, it, it's crazy to me that like that's what I wanted to do and now that's how much passion I had because I would come out of work I would go straight to shoot and then I would come home you know I would hang on my friends and I would have my camera with me or whatever and then I would come home so to them it was always like you're late you're doing something bad my dad didn't like the guy that I was dating at the time and he like saw me once with him and he was like oh if you're gonna be with him you're out the house so I was like okay whatever you know like deuces this is perfect because I already wanted to leave <laughs> Uh, I was living with my with my tia and my cousins. I've always lived with my with my cousins. If I were to move out, if I wasn't with them, I was with them. So, thank you, tia and Kat, for always opening your doors to me. They're the best um, because you know family members they'll be like, "You ain't coming here." Um, <clears throat> so that's true. Shout out to your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I lived with them the whole time. Um, And then I just kept pursuing photography as far as like my major, right? I was like, this is going to be it. But it wasn't business. I I tell everyone this. When I started, I was just shooting because I liked it. I didn't think, I mean, back then, I feel like 
It wasn't the whole like what Instagram is now. Instagram is now is, you know, marketing. It's like your business. It's your platform for like so many things. Antes, Instagram and like in general, people weren't thinking like, oh, I can do this as a living. Oh, I can do this for this. You know, oh, I can hustle and do this. Like we weren't thinking about that, especially back then photography was like share what you have on instagram you know it was like flicker it was like oh here's a photo here's today's photo here's tomorrow's photo and that's what it was what it was for me it was just like every day post a photo no matter what you know like whatever you create and then eventually obviously everyone else started everyone else was a photographer and then the whole like um oh i can actually get paid for this happened you know and i remember i was i was like two years or three years in college And I was like, okay, I guess I can start charging my friends, you know, and I would charge people like 40 bucks. So I would tell them to pay my gas. And then I still felt bad because I was like, what if my work isn't great, you know? And people were just like, no, you know, you got this. And then I remember for the longest time I would charge like 200 bucks because I was like, I still had my full-time job. I was still going to school. I still wanted a party, but I wasn't like fully like, that's going to be my career. Like, this is going to, like, I don't need to keep going to school for this if I really wanted to. I wasn't there yet. I was just there because I really liked it. I just really liked shooting. And it was, like, fun for me to do it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, quiero hacerlo para ser mi millonaria. Like, no. Um, and then, finally, I feel like I gave myself that big, like, oomph. Like, mm, well, you could be getting more money if you weren't working. <laughs> you know, so that a big jump and then I just did it full, full time um, and then eventually I dropped out of college so I didn't finish college but only because the last things left were math classes and I hate math so I was like oh, you know <laughs> I'm already getting paid um, yeah. so I dropped out of college and then that was it for me that was it for college um, and I started doing full-time photography and I started getting paid and then ever since then it's just been like that. Wow. But I love that you started from passion mm -hmm. and like, and that's what, that's what really I think sets you apart. And, and that's why I said what I said in the beginning, like I can tell your work, mm -hmm. like you, you were created for this. Like, you know, this is your purpose and I can feel that with your photography because it's so be It's just beautiful. It's intentional. It's beautiful. And it's, it captures these really just beautiful people and things. And I, I was even showing my parents before this because they, they're nosy. So she's most of us getting saber, you know, who's going to be on the podcast. <laughs> and so I was showing them, I was like, oh, I'm going to have this photographer, Rocio. And I was showing them your page and they're like, oh, esta maciza, which for us, Hondureños means like, that's bomb. Like, so es chingona, right? That's what you guys say. <laughs> so it's like that same, that same type of word, but no, I, I can feel that in your photography. It's like passion. It's love. It's like, I can totally 100% feel that. Yeah. I'm curious, like, did your parents understand what you were kind of going through? Because I feel yeah, you're like, no. <laughs> um, No. And I mean, this is why I keep saying, like, visit Principio when they thought I was, like, out being, like, a bad rebel kid. Like, and I would tell them, like, I'm just shooting. Like, I have my cameras on me. Like, I'm just shooting. And even if I would ask them for help, like for a project, like most of my most of my early work in darkroom and film is my siblings, is my sister or my parents. I, I did most of all my big projects on people that I felt comfortable with. And this was my parents and my sister. Um, so I, I would ask them for like help and they would be down. 
but they just didn't understand. Like they were just like, oh, it's for class. Oh, it's for something, you know, or something. Mm. And I yeah, they didn't take it seriously. Yeah, they never did. And honestly, to this day, I don't think they still understand like how the process works. Like how, I mean, they understand that I have my own business, but they don't understand like what, how much time and effort it takes to like be like a photographer and do this and all the time and consuming. Like, I don't think till this day they understand. Even if uh, as much as I would explain to them or les enseño. I don't think they get it. And I think that just comes from their background because to them, it's like, well, you know, you have to work. Like, I mean, like I said before, my parents are field workers. Like, I don't think they understand the idea of like, oh, you do that. Like I started telling them that I'm mentoring that, right? And my mom came over yesterday right after my class. And um, she was like, oh, you were working? And I was like, no, I was in class. And she like looks at the laptop and she was like, on the computer, <laughs> you know? And I was like, I, like at that point, I don't even try to explain because to me, it's just like, I'm wasting my time. Cause you're gonna keep asking the same time over and over and over again. And I'm just, at that point, like, I don't even say anything anymore. If something important comes in my life or, you know, oh, I'm gonna be in the show or I'm gonna be doing this. I'll share it with them once and that's it. Like, it's up to you if you want to put more effort into my stuff because I'm not going to keep begging you to like understand what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the reason I ask is because I think this is just a big first gen story. Mm-hmm. Like you doing something out of the ordinary where you're not having a nine to five job or you're not doing what they think is successful, what they think, you know, they came into this country for you to have. And I think that's that's part of the first gen struggle is like you have this passion, you know you're good at it, you know you can make money, you know you can make a business, you know you can just do this for your career versus do I just choose stability? Do I choose like the way that I was raised? Do I choose yeah. this life? And it's like we we have this like push and pull all the time, right? And so how do you how do you navigate the how do you navigate like those first gen struggles versus like the way that you were raised, your traditions, your cultura, and like how do you preserve both? It's like being both Mexicana and a photographer, does that play a big role? Does it all kind of add in together? Like, talk a little bit about that. I feel like it does. Well, um, I love my my culture, right? Like I said before, I go to Mexico more than my parents do. Um, so I love my culture. <laughs> I love how I was raised. I love how I was raised to begin with. Even if I was the mom, like, I love the fact that I had tough love because that's how I am, you know? Um, I'm not needy as fuck. Like I don't need nobody. I don't need a man. If to have a man should be a bonus, shouldn't be like something that you need. Um, Girl, say that again. Yeah. Snaps. Snaps <laughs> <laughs> to that. Yes. Um, so I, I love my tradition, I love my culture, I love how I was raised, but I don't think it was a struggle for me to become or say this is who I am because that's how I was from the beginning. You know, there's a chiquita I was always like, even if I wasn't as talked um talkative to other personas like my family members I was at home and I would always speak my mind at home right and I would say like I would always clap back like my my parents were sinaloenses so we're very loud and we're very um rude I guess you would say that but it's just how we are right um we're very we're very like burlescos and we tell you what we tell you how it is and that's just how it is in my family and my family we're not very like lovey-dovey we're not like oh how was your day like we're not like that so for me, like if I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that, you know, and that's just how I was. So for me, it wasn't a struggle to say, um, fuck your traditions, because I was always like, 
okay, then I'm not yeah. gonna pick up your kid. You better find a babysitter, you know? <laughs> That's how it was for me. Um, so becoming a photographer wasn't as hard because I always had a strong, like, this is who I am. This is what I want. If you don't like it, then you don't like it, you know? Um, and I think the whole role of like, my dad kicking me out was like, if you don't want to do that, um, then you can't live here. Then that was like, to me, that was like, oh, okay. Then I'm, 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 I'm on that yo misma then, you know, like F you. And so, yeah. So to me, it wasn't hard. Like I've had this question before where they're like, you know, is being a Mexican or Latina photographer, was it hard in your area? Was it hard growing up? Because I'm Latina. And I will always say it wasn't. You want to know why? Because I know who I am. And I know that, girl, I'm from Vallejo. Try me. Try me. Like, <laughs> like I don't play just like I don't waste my time with other people. I hope they don't waste their time with me. That kind of, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, like for me, I would always say I never had an issue. I mean, thank God, gracias a Dios, because, you know, it's the pleito. But when you know who you are and what you bring to the table, no one can fuck with you. You know, like no one's going to say something to you. No one's going to like um, doubt you. No one's just, you're just going to be that persona that you're like, oh shit, she has her shit together. And I do, like for the most part, I do. I'm gonna not going to sit here and sugarcoat it because I do, I work my ass off for it. But I also know like, I know like what I bring to the table. I know my rights. I know like, don't try me. You know, like I clap back. So for me, becoming or being a Latina photographer was never a struggle in that aspect, but also because I talk to everyone. Like, I work with all sorts of people. I work with all sorts of color. I work with all sorts of body type figures. You know, like, there is no, like, there is not just one person that I stick to, and I would not want to be that photographer either. And that, I think that's also why, as a photographer um, in the Bay right now, and like, being a Latina, like, I stand out because... You know, like a lot of photographers as well, like they stick to a certain type of style or they stick to a certain type of pers person or vibes and stuff like that. Um, and to stand out and be something that otras personas no son, you have to get out of the box. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to go do things that you don't normally do. You know, that's why mm -hmm. I feel like everyone, including my mentees, like go out there and shoot hard light, go out there and shoot nighttime, go out there and shoot, you know, like the worst case scenario that you think you probably don't want to have because that's what's going to make you good in the long run. Wow. Snaps to you, girl. And you know, you said something that I want to highlight because you said being a Latina photographer makes you stand out. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's so true. Like I, when my friend Mariah showed me that picture, like your Instagram, like all these pictures that you were taking, it's like, you know, when you just feel yourself represented, you're like, wow, you know, like that's a Latina doing that work and that's a Latina making this art and those are Latinas in the picture. And even though you you capture all types of people, it's just beautiful when you can see yourself represented and see yourself in the pictures. And I want you to know that because you do stand out and like that's not very common, at least like from what I see, like that are all the photographers that are super famous that people are always talking about. I just feel like that's a really big differentiator for you. And that's why I like started following you and started following your journey. And thank God Arabella connected us. Cause I was like, what? I'm like hella fangirling over here. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, there was a, there was such a long time that I knew that a lot of people knew about me or they knew my work or they knew who I was, or they just felt, I mean, I, I do have a lot of followers. So I know a lot of people know about me, but 
I'm again, I'm very shy. I'm very like, mm, you know, like if, if people were to meet me out in restaurants or say like, oh, I follow you, girl, like my bongo is super like, that's not me. I'm like, oh. You're like, como así? <laughs> no, I get super shy. I get, I get, I get low-key uncomfortable. Like I get uncomfortable. Probably this year, honestly, 2020 is the year that I was like, you know what? Like I am, I am fire. Like I'm bomb. Like I need to take that in. I need to accept that. You know, I need to be, I, I need to say thank you. I need to be like, okay, like I know. Um, and I think that was a big step for me this year. And which is why I decided to do like mentoring sessions because I was like, okay, like I do know a lot. Like I got to a vulnerable stage at one point where I was like, well, I don't have kids, but I know so much. Like I could teach so many people like all the shit that I know, you know, like, um, and so then I felt like I, I, maybe it was the mom in me, you know, with like growing up that I was like, my sister don't care. Cause she's in her age where she don't want to talk about stuff. My brother, he's into his own thing. So if I tell him something, he's like, I'm going to go on someone else. Um, so I'm like, who can I tell all my advice to, you know? And I feel like I knew so much that at this point in this time and age, I was like, okay, like you need to accept that you're fire, that you you're doing well, that, you know, your work is amazing. And that, yes, you do stand out. Um, because regardless of comparing or not, I don't tend to compare, but I love, like, I, I will hype another person's work that I love more than I do my own, you know? So that's when I was like, okay, like, I need to take a step back and I need to hype me first and my work. Because, I mean, I always hype myself, right, as a person, but I don't hype up my work as I should more. So I was like, let me do this first and then let me continue to hype everyone else up because, you know, like I owe it to myself. And um, but yeah, it took me forever to just finally just say, OK, like I'm, I'm cool. Like, OK. Yeah. You're like, I'm bomb. I'm fire. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's true, though. Learning how to gas yourself up like that's that's a real thing. It's a real process. I'm glad that you're doing it because your work it deserves to be out in the world. People deserve to know about it. And you deserve to know that your work is fire. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that also comes with like pricing yourself, right? Like, like, uno being scared as a Latina, like, do I price myself this much? Am I going to still have clientele when I price myself higher and stuff like that? And I feel like that was in general now when I talk to other photographers that I'm mentoring, um, that's a big that's a big like thing for them because they're like, you know, how am I going to charge this much if my clientele is Latino based or if they're, you know, like um, Bay Area based because, you know, Bay Area people, we, we got rent to pay, girl. We ain't got time to be spending that much money on a shoot. So um, <laughs> when I talk to them, I feel like that's that was one of my like not struggles, but it was one of my worries because I was a full time photographer and I was like, you know, like when I did the jump to like charging extra more, I was like, you know what, like that's me representing my work. And that's me, like, if people get into the conmigo, they will understand why. And honestly, I'm blessed to have that big ass Latino clientele because thank you guys for paying the money because it just makes me feel like we're getting bigger as a Latino community and we're understanding, um, you know, what vendors and what freelance photographers or videos or anything like that and this is why their price is so high you know like quote-unquote high um, because then they understand and they appreciate and that just makes me feel good like knowing like okay if someone can afford me which in their eyes 
this is a lot of money because there's people who charge way more up, you know, um, and they can they can pay for that. And, and that just makes me like, wow, like, thank you for letting me photograph you. Like, not even thank you for paying me, but thank you for letting me photograph you because this just means that as a Latino community, we are understanding like, okay, it's okay for someone to be a freelancer. This means that our, the next generation, if their kids want to be a photographer, if their kids want to be something else, if their kids want to be an artist, a singer, anything, they're gonna let it happen and they're gonna understand why. Whereas yeah. if, I were, if my clientele was more, you know, like older Latinos, they would be like, hell no, we ain't paying that. You know, like they don't understand and they would be like, loca. like she's tripping. You know? So that's one thing that I'm seeing right now that I would want to point out because it makes me proud to say like, damn, like our community is getting really good at this. Yeah. Dude, big shout out to our community. We are, we're popping. Okay. Talking about gassing each other up, like our community, I have so much love for our community and all the hustle, the grind and, and just preserving that cultura too, you know, in you know, in every single way and pushing that culture forward. And I think our generation, the generations to come, hopefully will continue to push our, our culturas forward. Because it's real beautiful when we get to keep our culture alive, our traditions alive, the ones that we want to keep, right? <laughs> um, and we get to push those traditions forward and and pass it down to our future generations. Like that's always like what I think about. I'm like, I really want to, you know, like comida hondureña no va a faltar en la mesa. Like that's what I always say. I'm like, in my future generations, like I'm gonna be cooking Honduran food. <laughs> no American food up in here. <laughs> dude facts that's probably why i don't even like american food <laughs> that's that's seriously it well it's funny because when i think about american food okay well listen i grew up the same way like i grew up in san diego so like yo comía comida mexicana because like mexican restaurants no faltan aquí and i for me that was like I, this is this is food from san diego like mexican food you know and like that was i never really ate like the I don't even know, typical American food, like hamburguesas, like occasionally McDonald's, cuando estaba chiquita. <laughs> but like those foods, like no, yo comí comida mexicana. There was always taco men, you know, where we were because we always had friends, right? We would always go to the, their parties and comida hondureña nos sobraba because we had all our Honduran family here. Like I grew up with so many different foods and it wasn't until college where I was like, what is sushi? <laughs> I was like, what's bond me? Like, I don't know any of these things. <laughs> you were like me. There's a dollar menu? Where? <laughs> yeah. That's why I was hella laughing when you were saying that. Because I'm like, oh, my God. Flashback to college when I walked into, like, a sushi restaurant. I was like, what the fuck? You guys eat, like, raw sushi? Like, raw fish? Like, what is that? <laughs> you don't want to cocinar? Oh, my God. It was so funny. But it's it's true. I mean, like, our environments really do play a big role, right? Like, you being in the Bay, me being in San Diego. Like, I grew up around a ton of Mexican culture, and it was really beautiful. It was real beautiful because I had, like, all these Latin friends and all these Hispanic people just running around our community, our neighborhood. And it was, again, it was beautiful. Even though there wasn't a lot of Hondurans around, but... I, there was still like so much Latino culture all around us. So I never felt like, oh, I'm the only Latina. You know, I didn't feel different until I went to college where I was like, oh, shit, there's a lot of people here in the Bay. <laughs> hella, diverse, hella diverse, like, you know, and hella foods to try. Like I tried all the foods like, girl. <laughs> I was like everything. I was like, mommy, I just had some sushi. Like, you have to try this. 
I just had some Indian food, some Mediterranean food. Some Indian food. Yes. I remember the first time my friend took me to Indian food. I was like, this shit is fire. Like, <laughs> yeah. So um, bomb. The Leo well, at the time was, um, for the most part, a lot of uh, Latinos and um, African-Americans and um, like uh, Filipinos, Asians like that. Casi, casi no um uh white people and in my co- in my high school maybe there was like five um five white folks and that was it like it was all just latinos african-americans and mm-hmm. like you know filipinos but um like it was all just like that and i remember when i got to college i was like you know it's napa i went to college in napa so there was a lot of white people there. Mm. and i was like mm, you know like i don't like this because i was all i'm very like you know, like very culture. So I want more diverse. I want more of everything. So yeah. when I started traveling, when I started going to the city more, when I started, you know, going to Oak more, like, I was like, wow, like there's so many people here. So mentally now that I'm older, I'm like, I want to live when I'm, you know, ready to have my house, like in Mexico, I want to live in like a busy area where there's going to be a lot of everything, like other cultures around as well. And I want to make that like for myself, because I just, I love being around diverse diversity or like, I wish growing up, like you had all your Latinos with you because obviously San Diego, right? Um, but I wish I had more of that because I was just, you know, like it was only like a portion of us Latinos um, in high school and like growing up in Vallejo because, you know, you're in the West side and you're like just hanging out with the West side people, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, and I felt like, you know how I mentioned to you how like I, I, I lost my Spanish at one point, like I was more, you know, to be around more Latinos and stuff like that, I probably would have been a little bit more like out there, Vizimas Joven, you know, than when it took yeah. I was 18, 19 to like speak up for myself and be like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, and I think now that I'm surrounded by so many Latinas, you know, all these boss babes, I'm like, damn, like I wish we were all hanging out together and we were young. Like we would be a, we would be so dope. <laughs> That's girl, that's how I feel with every single person I meet on on, you know, this podcast. I'm like, man, like how did we not know each other before? <laughs> like we could have like we 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 hella vibe. No, I I want to point out something too though because I yeah, I grew up with hella Latinos and but even in like the community that I like was um where I lived, right? It, we lived in this big apartment complex and it was like a gated one, but it was still low income community. And the todo, you know, there was there was hella Latinos, first of all, either todo, like Puerto Ricans and Hondurans, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, like there was a lot of diversity there. And then we also had, yeah, we had a lot of, so San Diego has a big Somalian culture um, and they had like Vietnamese and, and Avia, there was a lot of Cambodians that we grew up by Samoan. So we had a, like a ton of diversity, like where we like lived, but where I went to school, there was all Latinos. Like the school was like 60, 65% Latino and like, and like African-American, like we were the majority. Mm-hmm. And then like, same as you, like there wasn't really a lot of white folks there. And it wasn't until I went to high school because we moved to a different area. That's a little more bougie than where I grew up. Right. And oh my God, I was like, there's so many white folks over here. Like, <laughs> and it was, and for some reason, I always kind of just felt so I mean, for obvious reasons, I always felt so out of place with them. And so I didn't really have a lot of white friends until high school. I was like meeting one or two and I was like, oh, y'all are cool. (laughs) 
you know, I just had my own perceptions, my own biases about them. And, you know, even to this day, I don't have very many, like probably like one or two, but in high school, that was my first experience, like really being around a lot more white folks. And, and I was like, where are my Latinos at? You know, when I hung out with my soccer group, so we were like all the Latinas in one, (laughs) but I mean, I, I felt the same way and it's just navigating those different experiences and college was beautiful for me, like San Jose state shout out because it was always hella diverse. And that's why I have such a special place in my heart for the Bay. Like I love the Bay because of its diversity, its culture. It's like, it's people like the people there are just dope, you know, just dope energy. You're like, yeah, this is true. (laughs) Honestly, yes. Well, I think this is a good segue. It's a good segue into our cafecito and chisme. And here, what I really want to focus on is like what you're doing now. I know you're doing your photography, but you also said you're mentoring. So I want to know a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, And you can talk about anything like your job, your photography, your brand, you know, mentoring, passion projects, relationships, the todo. You want to know all the chisme. All the chisme. So hot tea is I was nominated for Best Photographer of 2020 in Solano County. So in my county, girl, I'm the best photographer this year. What's up? Girl, yes, you are fire. Yeah, that's that's the big T that I just received recently. I mean, obvio. That's so dope, girl. Obvio, like who else is fire in Solano County? I mean, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just kidding. But, um, I mean, you know, all these years I was like, damn, about time. Yeah, recognize me. <laughs> um, but um, that's one of the big teas. I am mentoring. I started mentoring early COVID. You know, like everyone's been at home. And I was like, I think this is the perfect time. Also, because like I said prior, I'm, I get to, I get really shy and I get, um, this is called like stage fright. If I were to do workshops and everyone always asks for like workshops. And I know that I would not, I would not be okay doing a workshop because I would freeze or I would be like, what was I saying? (laughs) You know? Um, So I feel like mentoring for me, was like, let me start with mentoring. And if I can talk and I know what I'm doing, then it probably helped me with like having a smaller class and then eventually a bigger class. Right. Um, So I started doing mentoring, which is going great. Um, I feel like I'm very cutthroat, you know? So I'm not going to sit here and like sugarcoat it for anyone who wants to do a mentoring. I'm going to tell you like what you need to get. I need to tell you what you need to should be doing. You know, don't tell me that it's hard because it's not hard. So all that kind of stuff. Um, I have plans in the future that I want to move. You know, I want to move to Mexico. Um, don't know when. Where did that Where did that start? Like that you wanted to go back to Mexico? I've always said I'm going to I've always told my parents I've always said this to my dad. I've always said, I don't know why you pay mortgage. I was like, you could be having your house in Mexico. And this was when I used to live with them because I used to go and pay the bill, you know, because they were always at work. So it was always me paying the bills. And I would see how much money they would always pay. And I'd be like, why? Like, you're wasting all this money, you know? Like, I didn't understand as a young kid, like, why do they pay so much for their mortgage? Or like, you know, in general, like, why is there so much money? When I knew that in Mexico, like, you know, certain places, like if you buy your land, that's your house. Like you're not going to pay no goddamn mortgage. You may pay a little rent, you know, but that's a yearly thing. It's not going to be a monthly thing how it is here. And I remember like just always thinking like, 
my parents are dumb. Like, yeah, you came here to look for a better life, but you're you're just working 24-7 until this day because they're still working where they're working, you know, they're working in the fields. And I'm always like, because I'm like, like, why don't you just come work here six months and then go and like, go live over there? That's always been my mentality. And so now that I'm older, like, my dad still says, like, you know, you should get a house here, you know, come visit us. And I'm like, nah, I'm like, I'm going to have my house in Mexico how I want it. You know, I'm going to be living peacefully. I'm not going to be stressing about no goddamn payments because La Vida here in the U.S. is work. And, you know, like you're here to work. And if you're mm-hmm. wallet and you're making it, you're not going to str- struggle at any point. But like if you're not if you're not making over this tax bracket, you still got to pay taxes. You still got to pay federal. You still like it's just so much money that I don't like como se vive in the U.S. I never have. And that's just one of my biggest goals is to move out there, to move somewhere where I know that I own. I don't have to worry to like work to live. Like I want, when I move is because like, I'm going to go work at a coffee shop or something and then like shoot 24 seven, not for pay. Like, I don't want to be able to like say, Oh, I have a photo shoot out here. Or I have a photo shoot out there. Like, I don't want to do that. Like when I move, I want to just work for myself and my own projects. Um, so that's my goal. And I hope that's going to happen. Like, maybe like three to four years. And I do want to start a creative space out there. So I'm putting it out there in the world, manifesting it. I'm going to have a base for, you know, like children, adults, any kind of workshop things that they want to do. I want to have like a big warehouse and just like have a creative space for everyone. Because one thing that I hate about another thing that I hate about the U.S. is why are all coffee shops closed at five? Why? Girl. Students, like, hello, we're students or like, you know, people who are artists, like, we need coffee shops to stay open till like midnight. Like, what? Yeah. Like, there's probably two in Oakland that I know, and like one in Berkeley. But like, we need more coffee shops that are open. And I don't think people understand, like, I mean, maybe it's like a thing, like coffee shops should only be working till this time. I don't know if that's like a law or something. But it, I was always like, why are they always closing at five or six when, you know, people are still going to school in the evening and they still want to go and do homework somewhere else or, you know, like not go home or they can't go home. Or, you know, you hear about things in the news nowadays that like they don't have Internet. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I do. I want to have a creative space for like that opens till like midnight or closes to midnight because that was one of my biggest things is like when I wasn't with my parents and I was like living with my cousins or something like obviously I'm not going to be at her house 24 seven doing my homework. Right. Or they didn't have Wi-Fi or something was. So I would Starbucks and then Starbucks would close at eight, but then Starbucks gets packed, you know? So there was not just a coffee shop that was like just directed just for that. Like, Hey, you're here to like interact with other people, you know, like meet other people network and like, Oh, I do this too, or do homework, like a study group. Like obviously they have that at colleges, like, you know, like uh, libraries and mm-hmm. study stuff, but like the un lugar where it's just meant to be for all creative space, like that would be dope. And that's something that I, I'm going to have. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to say I will have. Is I'm going. You're going to have, have it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to visit <laughs> because I've always thought that too. I'm like I. I, for some reason, there's something about coffee shops that just helps me focus because I, I write, you know, I'm, I'm a writer. And so going to coffee shops and writing, just like, I don't know what it is. It's like, it inspires me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's what you said. It's that creative space. And we don't have very many of those, especially I think for people of color, for Latinos, for 
for our community, marginalized communities, we don't have a lot of spaces to be creative, to have those outlets. So I think the fact that you're trying to create one, is it going to be in Mexico? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're okay, like? It will be in Mexico. And the fact that it's going to be in Mexico, like that's huge. Mm-hmm. Snaps to you. <laughs> Snaps. Well, the last thing is how can people connect with you? How can people see your art and, and how can people just hit you up? Well, you can see my art on my .com, com, but I also have Instagram, which is also Rocio Rivera. I have Pinterest, the same name. I have Twitter. I am Rivera. However you want to contact me, I am in all social media platforms. And yeah, if you want to reach out for a photo shoot, I got you. Let me know on your handle. What is it that you want to do? Right now, I'm not booking for this year anymore. I'm only booking for next year. So... If you want to schedule something, I'm up for it. Yes. Okay. Well, the last thing we do on the show, you ready? (laughs) The last thing we do is a brindis with our cafecito because I'm rebranding, you know. (laughs) Do you have your coffee or no? It's outside. Oh, it's outside. You want to go get it? Okay. You can go get it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pause. (laughs) My neighbor is probably going to be like, Oh, Rose coffee still outside. <laughs> we have um, we have uh, unos neighbors que ya están como de edad, maybe like eighties, and they live right in front of us, like literally right in front, like like my window is their house. Um, but they're so sweet, and and it's so funny because we can picture them like, like you know when you're like, I mean, we, we don't know, but when we watch movies and like the elderly, like los viejitos. Nomás even juntos, it's just them two. And like, son bien chismosos, or they're just like, you know? Um, so we left town and we asked, we told them like, hey, you know, because, you know, when the neighborhood, like if someone leaves, like, we'll let them know, like, oh, you know, we'll take your trash in or something like that, you know? So we told them to be out and I was on the phone with her and she's like, ah, oh, she was like, I'm so nosy. I was wondering why you put the car in. And I was like, <laughs> So then I start dying because I'm like, oh my God, I can literally picture them because our windows are like directly. I can picture them like if anything happens, porque son bien nosy, you know, they'll just be like, oh, Rocio's mail just stopped here, you know. <laughs> you ordered coffee again, Harold. <laughs> like I could picture them and I was telling my husband that. Um, I was telling my husband when we were on the phone and I was like, I could totally just picture her going to the window and then walking away and telling her husband like who's in the other room what's going on because that's how old people are. So, well, yeah, que les queda, you know? They're like, <laughs> so I was telling Jose, I was like, we don't like in my head, I was like, we don't visit or talk to our parents often, but I was like, I feel like we have parents watching us 24 7. Literally. Oh, I didn't know you were married, girl. You're married? Yeah married i have i've been married for i've been married for two years now but i've been with him for three and yeah we're we're solid we're good yeah it's a little hard i feel like relationships are all hard especially for me um because i'm Ooh, what does that mean especially for you because like i feel like i don't let my guard down no matter what and i think that's just me being like independent all the time you know like having that like background of like you know no more way they find like fuck that you know that kind of thing so it's hard for me to be like okay it's gonna be fine like just breathe you know so it's the most part it's good that I'm like that but it's also because you know we're, we're a balance he's very like 
sensitive and emotional and like I don't say I love you often and to make Jose's day all I need to do is just give him a kiss and I I mean I wasn't raised like that you know so I'm like se me olvida like chill I'm not gonna learn I'm gonna play. you know and then we like fight about that um so it's like we're still learning because we, we got married pretty early um mm-hmm. so I feel like I would get upset about stuff but I'm like okay like I'm still learning like we're still both understanding each other we're still learning so for me, I feel like it's harder because I know where I need to work in, you know, but um, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to just be like, okay. And then when I do, you know, man, like he pissed me off and I'm back to square one. And I'm like, man, <laughs> you're like, let me tell you something. <laughs> um, it works out because like our families are really good together as well because yeah. his families are, his family is very He's Dominican, so they're very like you know bubbly and extra and always happy and dancing and da 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 da. Dominican and Mexicana, y'all are gonna have some cute ass kids, <laughs> some cultured, <laughs> some cultured kids. Uh, but let's let's close this conversation, this beautiful conversation. Thank you, girl, again for being on the show and for opening up about your story, for keeping it real. Yeah, we're a very Bay Area for that. I feel like every Bay Area person I've met, all my friends, they're the most real, dope people. I'm like, that, that's why I love Bay Area. <laughs> um, but let's close with the brindis. Now you have your cafecito. Let's close it. Thank you also for having me here. And again, we're doing this, and I mean, doing this also in like during quarantine, you know, during COVID times, because. Mm-hmm it's inspiring to hear about all these other like Latinos and all everyone else's story. And I mean, I'm pretty sure for people who listen, like I was listening, you know, to the house yesterday, I was like, damn, like, I know I would think of all my friends, like, Ooh, so-and-so could listen to this. or Ooh, so-and-so could benefit from this conversation. Ooh, so-and-so, you know, like, so it's very inspiring to like hear other people's stories as well. Oh, well, thank you. And that's, that's what I've always wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like, we don't have very many spaces where we feel seen and heard so like that's that's what I wanted to do was like you know you want to create your creative space I wanted to create a space where we can just be real like about our experiences because I feel like our community like Latinos you know we're hella diverse you know your husband's Dominicano like how many times does he feel himself represented in these different Latino groups these different Latino spaces so that's what I really wanted with this podcast is like to highlight stories from everyone in the community and really just let it let them keep it real like because whoever's listening is probably going to see themselves too mm-hmm. and like I can't wait for someone to listen to this episode and like who's a photographer is like yes <laughs> I can do it too <laughs> but but let's close the brindis it's a you know with our cafecito and what I want to do here is just give you a chance to manifest some good for our Latino community and also just you can choose what, you, what we want to cheers to so what do you want to cheers to? What do you want to manifest? And then we'll close it. I want to cheers to me and you, first of all. Um, cheers yes, to girl. For doing this and, you know, putting in the work. Thank you for putting in the work. Um, I want to also manifest that next year, COVID is not as bad. <laughs> and I know we're not going to go back to normal at all, but to let the numbers die down a bit, you know, like, let the scariness come down a bit. I want to manifest that so that people feel at least somewhat like I can go out, you know, because there's still a lot of people out who are very scared, like in general, like mm-hmm. everyone's still really scared. Ya se va a acabar el año y tú todavía con miedo. Like, 
you know, um, definitely do that because I have friends who still feel uneasy, you know, for certain situations and, and it's just like, damn, like that sucks because it's, it's what's the world, you know, it's the world, it's what's happening in the world. And like, I hope that next year those numeros come down a bit for everyone to feel like a little okay, like a little, like I can go to the grocery store without having to panic or something like that. Um, and then I do want to manifest for everyone in general who is a freelancer to keep dreaming and keep going for your dreams and keep pushing and don't stop and stop comparing your work to everyone else's on Instagram because no one cares about you. I've said this multiple times and I will say it again. No one cares about us. No one cares about you, Odalis. No one cares about me. Like people are in their own world. We're all in our own world and we're all overthinking like, oh my God, so-and-so is looking at my stuff. When reality is probably not. You're just very overthinking everything in your head. Um, and if they do look at it, trust me, they're going to be the people que son tus like secretive fans. They're just going to look, but no te van a decir nada. So think about it. Like no one really cares about whatever you do. We just, everyone just wants to see what you're putting out there. Like, how are you doing this? Oh, I'd like to see that. Oh, I'd love to see you winning. i love to do that. But really, no one cares. Like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, and people stress so much about like, oh my God, this is not good enough. Oh my God, you know, someone's going to judge me over this. Like, fuck what people say. No one gives a fuck about you. Just do you. No one cares about you. Just do you. SOC though, be very aware of your self surroundings and know who the fuck you are and stand up for yourself. But in reality, no one cares about you. So I want to manifest out there to people like, stop tr stressing over petty shit. Like stop stressing. Do you focus on you? Keep your dreams. Just, yeah. And then invest in your business. If you're going to start up a business, please invest because that's going to help you in the long run. Oh, girl, you just, yes, you just schooled us. <laughs> cheers to that, girl. Cheers to that. All right, we're going to do another cheers. <laughs> I want to do another cheers for everyone who's undocumented. And thank you that no hay más allá. I'm sorry, but get that mindset out of you. Stop being so scared and tu echale ganas and watch. Like you're going to get further than you think because there's a lot of people out there who don't have papers or are very scared and they think that they're just limited to something. Like, I'm sorry, but you are, you are not. If you're here in the fucking U.S., you are capable of doing everything and anything that you want. So see, obvio, like, you know, again, be aware, but stop having that mentality of like, no lo puedo hacer. Yo no puedo hacer mm -hmm. because it's not going to get you nowhere in life. When in reality, you have the ability and the place to do everything and anything. So cheers to mm, that. Girl, cheers to that. All the cheers. <laughs> I wish we had mimosas right now. <laughs>Yeah, we really came back on to record for another brindis, but so needed. So shout out to you, Rocio, again and again. Un abrazo a todos ustedes. Muchísimas gracias for tuning in to today's episode con Rocio Rivera. Connect with her everywhere on IG, Twitter, at Rocio Rivera, and check out her website, rocioRivera.com. Highly recommend booking a shoot with her too. I did it, and she brought out all the fuego in me, made me feel fire, made me look fire. See y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme, more Hello Latino Love, and let's connect in the meantime. Connect with me on Twitter at Odalis Jasmine, Instagram at ojasmine4as, and find me on LinkedIn. Or check out my website, odalisjasmine.com.
con mucho amor, tu amiga hondureña. Mi gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis' guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, Rise On. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, Rise On is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, Rise On is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently, to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside, are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise On membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise On membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Riseon.life. Mi gente, let's rise on. Thank you.